This is the Thrive Podcast with Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. And now, Pastor Fred Jeff Smith. Hello, welcome to the Thrive Podcast with the Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. I'm Fred Jeff Smith, pastor of Shiloh, and I'm very happy that you took the time to either view this on YouTube or listen to it on iTunes. Uh, We are always interested in your input with regard to how we're doing with the Thrive Podcast. You can write me at fredjeffsmith at cox.net and let us know that you're viewing or listening and what we're doing well and what we're doing poorly and what we can do to uh, make this experience a better one for you. But we thank you for taking the time to listen and or view uh, to this podcast uh, today. I am very happy to welcome to Shiloh and to the Thrive Podcast, Mr. Duke Carter, uh, who is a news anchor at WWL in New Orleans. He is an author, uh, a published author, as young as 16 years of age. Uh, He's a native of Jacksonville, Florida. He has done television work here in Baton Rouge, WVLA. Currently, he's at WWL in New Orleans. Mr. Carter, thank you for taking the time to wade through the traffic (laughs) to get here from New Orleans and share with us today. Thank you kindly. I appreciate it. Tell us about Duke Carter. Help us to know who you are. I'm crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, not really. I mean, I'm very laid back, chill, mellow. Um, do I like things a certain way? Yes. Um, you know, 32 from, well, born in Jacks, raised in New Orleans. And, uh, yeah, just seeing, been, been in the TV news industry 10 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, reporter did all the shooting stuff that Terrence, Terrence does, but not as in-depth as Terrence does it. Um, done web stuff, experienced the crazy things. And, and the funny part is, um, the craziest thing that I probably have experienced is, you remember the shooting with the two reporters? Yes. In Roanoke, Virginia? Yes. I was there for that. Yes. And a week later, guess who got threatened and made national news? Wow. Hi, how are you? Yeah, because a gentleman, unfortunately, confused African-Americans, because apparently we all look alike. And so he was asking for Frankie Jupiter. I look nothing like Frankie Jupiter. Mm -hmm. But, you know, people couldn't put one and one together, and I guess he figured he could just say what he wanted to say, but it kind of got him in trouble with the courts. Mm -hmm. So he eventually was like, oh, you're not Frankie Jupiter. You're right. You're as if though you're pulling the trigger and saying, you know, you're going to kill me. And I'm kind of like, not a good look. Yeah. Considering we just didn't with a shooting. Yeah. So... That's where the craziness comes from, long story short. I I knew about that. Uh, I I had been informed about that. I wasn't going to start there, but since you brought it up. Sure, go ahead. What's it like, uh, and and, and what kind of an impact does it have on you to to have witnessed what you witnessed uh, firsthand? Not simply reporting on Mm -hmm. it, but, but having seen it firsthand. Definitely a different perspective on life. A different perspective on how I go about my day as far as specifically in the news um, what do I cover if I'm live on television I mean of course you know, you're taught to tunnel vision mm-hmm. tunnel vision that's out the window for me I don't care I need to know who's moving in the background right. what's moving over there that looks a little odd and if it does I'm looking to make sure okay nothing's over there we're coming back to you mm-hmm. but as far as um, just day to day, every every day is it's very different because now it's more of like okay, not that not that I'm like oh my goodness, you know I'm going to get shot today, but it's just more of like all right, well today you know every day is as what you call is a gift. That's yes, why it's, that's why it's the present. Yes, so that definitely resonates now. 
Does it make you, uh, well, well, the cliche is it makes you appreciate life more uh, post that than, than pre that. But I get the sense that you had an appreciation of life even before this happened. Uh, you, you, you've done a lot in a short <laughs> period of, of time. Mm-hmm. You wrote a book at the age of 14. Mm-hmm. You wrote a book <laughs> at the age of 14. That's normal for people, is that not? <laughs> what are you talking about? No, these days it's hard to get people to write a paragraph, let, let alone <laughs> a, a, a book. Okay. Uh, so, so, so what prompted that? Now, were you an avid reader, and did you say, I can do this? That's pretty much, yeah. <laughs> pretty much was it. Daddy was like, okay, you are not going to spend your summers you know, from school, playing on a video game all day. Right. That, that's not going to happen in this household. Daddy okay. was like, no, that's not going to work, so you're going to read books. And uh, in New Orleans East, there's like a, you know, a summer reading program. If you yeah. read 10 books, you get like a free Happy Meal or whatever it was. Yeah. And so eventually we just kept reading books. And so I was like, all right, well, if I can do this, let me jump into Harry Potter, which I was like, that was probably the thickest book I ever read. Okay. And so I was like, well, if she can do this, as in the office, J.K. Rowling, if she can do this, why can't I? Right. And so we just started writing a little paragraphs, little short stories. Eventually, that turned into chapters, which eventually led to Treasure of Gold, the book. And the experience of writing. Do you consider yourself a a news broadcaster uh, who has a desire to write? Mm-hmm. Or are you a writer who's currently spending time as a news broadcaster? Or some combination of, of, of the two? I consider myself Duke. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay. I consider myself Duke, um, a person who just pretty much, I take what I can, whether it be from the news, social media, whatever, incorporate that. And then if I can tell a story on the side, mm-hmm. I would love to. Because when I was writing in you know high school, elementary school, I didn't have all the responsibilities that life right. brought. Right. So I was like, all right, well, we can get this, knock this out. But now life, I'm like, okay, you have to now actually make time for what you want. And so... Being a little bit older, a little wiser, mm-hmm. you get some life experience. Mm-hmm. Not a lot. I haven't had too much yet. So you take that with you. And I'm like, all right, well, can we put this here? Because before, long story short, I think what also sparked it as well, in sixth, seventh grade, started writing poetry. I don't know why. Started writing poetry. A seventh grade teacher was like, learn about, you know, different different styles of poetry. I'm like, all right, cool. Okay. Just wrote that. And then she actually submitted it to go into the celebration of young poets. Okay. And I think that was more of like another, like, okay, if you can get into this book, let's do it on your own. So you have a strong creative side. Yeah. Because I don't see, I've, I've never been a news person, uh, but, but I don't see news as being a creative uh, field. I mm-hmm. see it as being more mm-hmm. of a scientific mm-hmm. uh, type of, of, of genre. Uh, so how do you blend that creativity with, with, with the, the less creative parts of, of your daytime job? <laughs> you have to find that balance. Because with news, you have to tell everything in a minute 30. Mm-hmm. And then nowadays, that's, that's, that's not possible because mm-hmm. there may be you know, a story that you might want to tell, but it's like it won't fit. Mm-hmm. Or like there's another part of the story that you want to say, but that's not relevant to this, so you have to save it for another time. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I have to fight for that time. And luckily, doing some weekend stuff, I can kind of take that time. Mm-hmm. Didn't hear that. But I can take that time. <laughs> <laughs> I can take it to, because to, there was one piece we did, uh, Miss Leah Chase, I don't know. Yes. Okay, so Dookies, great food. Yes. Yeah. And so normally anyone would 
be like, okay, we're going to do this in a minute, minute, two minutes tops. Right. We did a four-minute piece. Okay. And because we had one chef who said he was inspired by her, and he was just like, I was always in her kitchen, yada, yada, yada. So we told his story. Then we transitioned from, you know, him being inspired to, well, what was she like as a human being mm-hmm. for the civil rights? So then we had, like, some nats, excuse me, some natural sound or some music mm-hmm. to, under, to, I guess, to go underneath some of the video that was showing, like, how she was during the civil rights era. Mm-hmm. And we transitioned into that, into showing, okay, here's a person, a historian, who said, here's how she was during the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. And then we also had another person who talked about how she was as a cook. And so blending all those elements, I can only do so much as a writer. I have a, a, of a team of editors, photographers mm-hmm. who can really, like, I say I want this music here, put this music in there, transition here, and they take it to a whole nother level. That I'm like, and it's usually the younger folks mm-hmm. who understand that. Where I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, I need something. And I'm like, put some pop in there, or as I say, put some salt and pepper on it, right. put some season, put some stank on it. Right. You know, versus a r- typical regular story. That I'm like, yo, this is a big figure. Mm-hmm. Let's do it right. Mm-hmm. WWL is still the king in in New Orleans. We can be. It, it, <laughs> it was when I was there. I, I lived there from '83 to '92. Uh-huh. WWL was was king, not just in television but radio and and, and the whole media piece. Mm-hmm. I've been gone for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Now. I, I was just curious: is, is WWL? I, I know you work for WWL. Yes. Is yes. WWL still the king? In certain aspects, I would say yes. Okay. You know, of course, with our legends. Uh, switching gears and finding other other opportunities outside of WWL. You know, people are like, who are these young folks telling us what to do with the news? And so I think that's where maybe maybe the challenge is because other stations still have their little people who've been there for a while. Mm -hmm. So I would say yes at the end of the day because people love WWL. People are Mm -hmm. like, oh, my God, you work at WWL. It's like a, you know, an honor. Right. You know, and it's like, oh, yeah, I do work at WWL. I do work at WWL. Like, you know. So go ahead. Good. Um, New Orleans is a very different city post Katrina mm-hmm. from what it was before. And and even though you were born in Jacksonville, you were raised in New Orleans. Uh, New Orleans has come back smaller, whiter, wealthier than it was pre Katrina. A lot of people nationally either ignored the fact or or were not aware of the fact. That New Orleans was was basically a very poor city, mm-hmm. uh, uh, rich in culture, mm-hmm. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. Uh, college town. People don't think of New Orleans as a college town, but you've got seven colleges and universities uh, in New Orleans. Most people only associated New Orleans with party, mm-hmm. French Quarter, Mardi Gras, things of that sort. But really, there was no great industry mm-hmm. in New Orleans other than the service industry and 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 the the shipyard uh, right there on the river. So when Katrina Katrina hit and people were forced out of the city. There was no coming back because there was nothing to come back to. Right. Because they were poor. Mm-hmm. They, they they were renters. They were two and three generations deep yes. of renters. They didn't own anything. Mm-hmm. I'm of the mind, and, and, and I can be conspiratorial from time to time, I'm of the mind that, that the powers that be want New Orleans to be smaller Whiter hmm. and wealthier. Interesting. As a resident of New Orleans, what what do you think? Interesting. Someone who knew New Orleans before and after. That's a really good perspective. I didn't think of it that way. Um, 
I think what we have to deal with, we have to definitely deal with education. Mm-hmm. That's that's an issue, especially recently there was something that happened, not something, it was a big issue in the news where, unfortunately, some students who went to Kennedy High School, their grades were changed. Yes. And some kids actually didn't pass who should have passed or vice versa. And so you have this big old situation where, like, how these kids can go on to now college, but mm-hmm. technically you didn't pass high school. So it's kind of like, what are you really trying to do here? Are you just trying to say, hey, we look good and we're doing a really good job and on right. paper? But right. in actuality, do you really have the skills necessary to get you to the next level? Yeah. And I think, well, one other part that I, I should have told Terrence, I didn't tell Terrence, I was a teacher. Really? Yes. So, okay, so we got something else to talk about now. <laughs> yes. So, to I guess from my teaching experience, I would mm-hmm. say it's very difficult to try to get a kid who is not on the same reading level. Let, I, for example, I taught fifth fifth grade. Okay. Uh, Read LA, which is pretty much like a sub sub course that, like, if you weren't on a reading level, we're trying to get you on a proper reading level. You had kids who were reading who were in fifth supposedly puts me in fifth grade, reading on a second or third grade level. Mm-hmm. So the books that I would, wanted to give to them, I couldn't because they couldn't read it. Right. So it's like, how do you manage when you have a class full of 35 kids? Mm-hmm. Some who are, you know, proficient, some who are, eh, mm-hmm. and some who are just like, we've got work to do. Mm-hmm. And it's like, where do you find that balance? It's like, how do you, okay, I can't always devote my time to the ones who are not here and here when I got my kids who are, well, Mr. Card, I have nothing to do because I da 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 da. So it's kind of like, and that was a cycle that I saw throughout my entire classes. I had four classes full of 35 kids. And it's like, okay, this is not going to work. Mm-hmm. How do you fix this? And it's something that I've seen when I've taught, because I taught at one school for about eight months, and then I did another school uh, for mm, about four months. And I was like, this is not for me. Mm-hmm. This is not going to work. Mm-hmm. So let's go back into television. But I, but I guess to say, I guess to answer your question in the short term, I think you have to address education because, yeah, the moneymaker is your tourism industry down mm-hmm. in New Orleans. At the end of the day, that's your moneymaker. That's what people come to see. They come to see the French Quarter. They come to Bourbon Street. They come to live their best lives, let right. loose, let their head down, be the big easy. That's, right. what, that's what we market ourselves as. Right. And so, yeah, tourism is going to be the big moneymaker. But at the end of the day, can you really live down there? Yeah. You know, rent for a decent apartment, $1,200. Yeah. Who's making that much money in the tourism industry, yeah. sir? Let's be real. Showing out the people who are making your bids up. Exactly. So yeah. where do they live? Where do they go? Yeah. What do they do? And with the rent, you can't own anything. Well, I guess at this point, it probably would be better to own something. Mm-hmm. But they don't know because they've either dropped out or they had life, life kicked in for them right. early. And so they don't know any better. And it's like, okay, we've got to address. For me personally, I see it as you have to address the education in the state of New Orleans. Well, let's talk about education. Go ahead. Uh, nationally, there, there, there was this big promotion of charter school mm-hmm. education mm-hmm. Uh, in New Orleans, mm-hmm. and, and a lot of money was supposedly invested into New Orleans. Uh, the state took over the public school system for a period of time. Uh, uh, I don't know where the status is on that, if they've released them all back or if they've released some of them back. But, but the charter thing was the big push mm-hmm. in New Orleans. And there were people here in Baton Rouge, primarily uh, uh, white 
conservative Republican folk who are opposed to public education to begin with, mm -hmm. who were promoting vouchers and charters for East Baton Rouge Parish, mm -hmm. and were saying, look at look down in New Orleans, look at how wonderful charters are in New Orleans. I can tell you from my observation, I'm not an educator, I don't pretend to be one, but I do pay attention to education. Charters in Baton Rouge have been an abysmal failure. Okay. Uh, so, so in New Orleans, hmm. educate me. What has been the, the, the success or the lack thereof of oh, charters okay. in New Orleans? I think you already know the answer. <laughs> I think you already know the answer. Because like you just said, the charters went back to the public school system, and that's what's happening now. And so you have the public school like, oh, okay, well, great. Now we have to come up with a curriculum for these kids. And it's like, we thought you as a charter system were going to do that. Right. And so it's just like, what do you do? What, what, what? How do you handle that? Mm -hmm. So I've I've not seen anything decent as far as far as what I've read, as far as what I've seen. I can't say too much about it, mm -hmm. but I, from what I've seen, they have not been great. I feel like the people have done better in public schools, mm -hmm. but as far as specifically charter schools, I haven't seen because some have actually closed down. That's why I'm like I I don't understand. It seems like a lot of these charters are being headquartered somewhere outside of the state. Mm -hmm. uh, people who come in and they see a profit-making opportunity to come in and garner government dollars, uh, and we make all of these bold pronouncements about what we're going to do, and at the end of this period, these students are going to be at this place, and they're going to be able to do this thing. And then when it doesn't happen, they say, oops, sorry, and they leave town, and they move on someplace else. Mm -hmm. The privatizing of, 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 of uh, the education system, secondary education system, to me has just been atrocious. Mm -hmm. uh, it, 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 it is tragic, and it is criminal, mm -hmm. because the children that are left behind uh, are, are now even farther behind than, than they were. And there is no plan in place to catch them up. Mm -hmm. And it is a source of tremendous frustration. Not to mention the fact that you've got parochial and private schools all around East Baton Rouge Parish. And I know you're in New Orleans, but got them all around East Baton Rouge. And, and there's a strong Catholic school program down in Orleans Parish. Uh, but in many cases here, I can't speak for New Orleans, in many cases here, you have non-certified teachers in the classroom. Yeah. And, 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 and parents are spending money mm -hmm. to send, and, and I ain't talking little money, they're spending a whole lot of money to send their children into classrooms with non-certified teachers uh, just so that they can say that it Tom and school. Jane didn't go to school with Shaniqua and Muhammad. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> There's nothing else to say. There's nothing else to say. Yeah, I've, I've seen that. I've seen uh, another thing, actually, to go to piggyback along that. Well, a lot of uh, Catholic schools, African-American Catholic schools, are now closing because of this system with the vouchers. And mm -hmm. we're going to bring everybody in because I guess the charter school system, charter system didn't work. So we're going to bring those in and we're going to try to be the, the savior. We can get your kids. But then. When you have to, when you, you know, of course, when you accept government funding, right. you have to abide by their rules. Absolutely. And that thing called LEAP. Yeah. And when you have these kids who are not prepared for LEAP, because, right. of course, we left them behind, but we don't want to say we left them behind, but we left them behind. And you have to get them ready for a test that, like, you know, some kids are not the best test takers. Yeah. Some people freak out. Yeah. Some just are not prepared for it. But then you get upset when the scores are not that great. Yeah. How? 
this is the problem that was created. How do you expect your kids to become successful when they're already behind? I don't understand the concept of, okay, we're gonna bring you in, we're gonna bring some teachers in that know nothing about the culture, nothing about the nothing about how to handle right. kids who are coming from, and, and I'm, I don't wanna say it in a negative way, who are come from single family homes, mm-hmm. who are probably pretty much the mom, the dad, the older brother, taking care of the rest of the family, and then they have these adult responsibilities, but how do you handle that in the classroom? How do you get them to go back? Okay, I understand you have a different hat at home, but you have a different hat in my classroom. Right. You have to connect with them. And I think that was miss- that is missing because you have a lot of students and a lot of teachers who are not on the same page. Mm-hmm. Like when I taught, we always got down to Beyonce. We got down to, you know, the music that was hot back then. Right. Now, if you ask me what the music is hot, now I couldn't tell you because I'm like, <laughs> couldn't tell you these latest rappers. Couldn't tell you. Okay. But that's how I had to connect with them. Sure. It's like, all right, all right, we're going to, okay, before this song ends with Beyonce, you better have this done. Tell me what this song is about. But they can, and which, which worked because they knew the music. Mm-hmm. But when I had to translate the music or carry that lesson from music into the classroom. And that is how we were able to at least move some. It wasn't a lot, but we moved. You know, we, we got the lesson done. Mm-hmm. And so I think when you have people who are, don't understand the culture, trying to teach kids about, you know, just random things, you have to connect with them. And I think that's what all boils down to. You have to connect with them. You can't come in and be like, you're going to start teaching from day one because they're like, who are you? You got you to earn that respect first. Yeah. And sometimes you have to let them know, I'm from, I'm just like you. I'm just yeah. a little bit older. And the funny part is, I was just a little bit older. I was like 21. So <laughs> 21 teaching, 12, teaching. 12 wow. 13-year-olds. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. we're going to roll with it. Because you wear the hat of uh, of a news person, uh, what you just said about uh, identifying with the culture mm-hmm. in the classroom uh, also is applicable with law enforcement. <laughs> See where this is going. Uh, 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 when I lived in New Orleans, mm-hmm. and, and I feel like I can say whatever I want because I lived there for nine years. You know, pe- people get mad when you start talking about New Orleans. <laughs> we were more scared of the cops. Mm-hmm than we were of the street folk mm-hmm. because the cops ran New Orleans. Mm-hmm. The gangsterism that existed within the New Orleans Police Department was infamous. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I'm not suggesting that it's, I've been gone for a long, long time. But I do know that when it comes to law enforcement, part of the problem that exists here mm-hmm. is that you have people who do not reside in this community, who are asked to police this community, to protect and serve in this community, Mm -hmm. and they have no frame of reference Mm -hmm. with the people that they are asked to protect and serve. And that's how tragedies like Alton Sterling happen. Mm -hmm. Because what happened with Alton Sterling only happened because two white cops didn't know how to deal with a black man who was selling tapes at one o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's going on in New Orleans where, 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 where this culture clash is taking place within law enforcement? Or is there a culture clash? I mean, that's a good question. Because you know what? Honestly, we do have a black uh, police chief, and we had a recent situation. Not Alton Sterling-ish, but more of like there's it's it's a guideline that some officers uh, broke. I don't know if you saw it. It happened yesterday, late yesterday. Well, the incident happened a couple of months ago, but the end result, or I should say, part of the end result, happened yesterday. So, long story short, a couple of months ago, police said that this car randomly crashed 
into a beauty hair salon. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, one person, well, let me say this, two people in the car died, and they were teenagers. One person in the salon died. Um, everybody was like, all right, something's a little odd. Why, how does this car lose control? You just randomly just, a car just randomly loses control and slam it to, you know, a beauty, beauty salon. Something's not adding up. Mm -hmm. Like, that's not making sense. Someone had to have been speeding, but the police at the time said, oh no, it mm -hmm. was, the car just was just sped off. We followed, and it sped off. Well, come to find out, yesterday during a press conference, because they had the public, the NOPD has a like public integrity bureau to make sure that NOPD is actually following right. what they're doing. Right. The um, officers actually turned off their body cams. Body cams. Yes. That happens quite a lot across the nation. I'm just going to smile. We spend we spend incredible sums of money to purchase body cams that, at the most critical time. Don't seem to function. I'm gonna let you take it away with that one. I have a job that I need. <laughs> you take it away with that one. But it just—they told us that the, they turned off the body cameras. That wasn't that it wasn't working. We actually learned that they actually turned off the body cameras. Come and also come to find out that they, you know, had a chase, which is against the police officers, you know, uh, rules. You can't. Policy. Policy. Right. Thank you. Thank you. They can't do that. So you have all these officers who pretty much participated in a high-speed chase, which led to someone, well, two kids losing their lives, which led, well, two kids losing their lives and another adult losing their life, and a lady losing her hair salon that's been in the community for 30-plus years. How does that make people feel? Yeah. How does that make people feel? So, to go back to the question, I think the police chief, African-American male, understands that there is an issue. Because if he would just been like, oh, okay, well, they're going to be on desk duty, I think it would have been a huge problem in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. So I think he understands that as an African-American male, we can't have this down here. Mm -hmm. Now, different different uh, jurisdictions, I can't speak on that. But I do know within Orleans Parish, I think the police chief is really trying to address that and make sure people are aware of, like, yo, we are there to protect and serve. We're trying to be as transparent as possible. But there are some things that we do have to handle to make sure that we are following the guidelines. In the time that I was down there, Sidney Bartholomew was mayor mm -hmm. of the city. And there was a constant back and forth between uh, the mayor and the chief of police about residency requirements. There was a residency requirement within Orleans Parish mm -hmm. that if you worked for the NOPD, that you had to live within Orleans Parish. The unions and the chief of police, the police union and the chief of police, uh, flagrantly ignored that rule, mm -hmm. got on television and said, we're not going to follow mm -hmm. this rule. Uh, and I don't think that the mayor, and I'm paraphrasing, I don't think that the mayor can force us to follow this rule because we will walk out and, and, and that'll be the end of that. And of course, the rule was never followed. I don't know if the rules have changed down there, but one of the things that, that, that troubles me uh, about Baton Rouge and law enforcement, city, uh, Baton Rouge Police Department, is that people live as far away as Mississippi, mm. and they carry their vehicles as far away as Mississippi, mm. but they are paid by East Baton Rouge Parish mm. to protect and serve the citizens of this parish. Is that the rule here? Yeah. Okay. Well, I think there should be a residency okay. rule. Okay. Uh, currently, there isn't one, mm -hmm. but but I'm one of those who, who, who has been pushing for a residency requirement. But, of course, the union is opposed to it. The, the, prim the primarily white-controlled police union uh, uh, is opposed to any kind of a residency requirement. If you have no identification mm -hmm. with the people that you are serving, other than 
then they see you driving through the neighborhood once or twice a day until you get up under the interstate and and do your reports and take a nap. Uh, if 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 wow. if 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 that's all the interaction that they have mm-hmm. with you, what where is relationship? Mm-hmm. In, in all of that. Now, I'm, I'm bringing this up not because I'm just, I just want to vent, but your perspective as a news person, mm-hmm. as a person who reports on, on the events of the day, mm-hmm. I'm sure you see far more and, and with greater depth than I do. What is your assessment of, of, of the relationship between law enforcement and community in the community where you live? Well, the thing is, is that, well, we're trying to bulk up our police department because after Katrina, <laughs> it's shrunk. So the game plan is to at least try to get people in. Mm-hmm. But when you have incidents like this, because those officers are going to be fired, uh, how, how do you do that? Two so or you, three years down the line, they'll be fired. <laughs> well, you know. Yeah. So you got to bring. It's not going to happen soon. <laughs> <laughs> but you got to bring people in. And you'll pay them for the two or three years before they get fired. Speak, speak your mind. Speak, speak your mind. Let it out, sir. Let it out. Um, but how, how do you do that? So, of course, you're going to bring people in who are not from the area, who are different, maybe have different skin complexion as me. And so because of the fact, well, here's the situation that we're dealing with also with New Orleans. We don't have a great response times. So if I have an emergency, if I broke down, mm-hmm. I pray to Jesus nothing bad happens to me. Because mm-hmm. it'll be a good couple of hours before the police will get to me because mm-hmm. we have a shortage. Um, so I think we have to address that need first before we even get to, oh, what's the relationship like? It's just that, that we don't have that many police mm-hmm. officers. We have to bring people in from, you know, from Baton Rouge just to handle small stuff that we State don't. State troopers are still in, in, in the French Quarter? I believe they are okay. not as much, not as heavily since Barry passed. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we've we've had you know it's just we're limited. Mm-hmm. So we actually have to bring we have to recruit, mm-hmm. get those numbers up, and then I think that once we can finally get those numbers up, then we can address the relationship. But as to I guess we really don't have one because we're waiting. People, the stories that I've covered, people have waited five, six, seven hours mm-hmm. for a car accident. People have like maybe gotten a car broken into. We're waiting just to file a report. So that's how, that's the strain that they're dealing with at the police department. That mm-hmm. there's not enough resources to go around, mm-hmm. like tickets or it was something that somebody says that they don't have enough time to do. I think it was something in regards to like some petty crime, and one officer said we just don't have the resources or the time to get to it. If it's not like life threatening, we ain't got time for that. Which is pretty much the vibe. She didn't say it like that, but that's pretty much is what was the vibe. Right. Was like, we don't have time for that because, right. of course, we're dealing with all these other calls. Right. So we have to actually get the manpower up first. Yeah. With regard to uh, the news industry uh-huh. that you're in, um, I'm constantly frustrated by the fact that news has become so partisan. Uh, so uh, politically uh, polarized Mm -hmm. Uh, and you see it in national news if you want to get a conservative perspective you watch Fox if you want to get a progressive or liberal perspective you watch MSNBC Mm -hmm. Uh, CNN falls somewhere in there uh, somewhere toward the middle I would imagine is it the same with regard to local news? No. Is, is, is it is it clear cut that one is more uh, 
liberal and one is more conservative than the other in the way the news is reported? No, I think the issue is it's just more of like when you have, um, well, managers who understand some parts of New Orleans but doesn't understand like maybe what may be newsworthy to them is also may not be newsworthy to other people and mm-hmm. vice versa. So that is probably more of the issue. It's more of like, oh, well, hey, you know something in the African-American community, hair, African, uh, females, well, black girls, and braids. There was a story uh, maybe late last year about a girl who was in, not in trouble but got suspended for wearing braids. And they weren't like, you know. I remember that, yes. Uh, loud braids. It was just braids. Right. And, you know, that that's part of the culture. Right. And she got kicked off of that. And I guess a lot of people didn't understand the concept of like, this is that's discriminatory. Mm-hmm. Like you're kicking her out because she has braids and it mm-hmm. magically grew over the summer is what you told her. That's not that's not your business. Right. As long as it's not a distraction, which the braids are not a distraction. I can see if it was like different colors, rainbow, something that was like okay, mm-hmm. you're drawing my attention to. But I'm like, that's a normal hairstyle for young girls. And so that was where was a discussion where we had to like, yo, this is an issue in an African American community. Like you can't just tell someone because of their hair style that that's not okay. And I get it that those are your rules with the school. I understand that. But this is also culturally. So right. it's kind of like you got to meet us somewhere in the middle. Yeah. And eventually the girl left and went to a different school because, I mean, of course, who wants to be harassed and put on the spot like that and seem like as if though your hair doesn't fit in with the guidelines of the school, that's not fair to you. Yeah. But it's just like, at, to go back to, to answer your question, the issue is is more of, Making sure that managers who make the shots to say, hey, do you cover this story for today? Understand that also, hey, this is also important in the African-American community as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. It's not just, I understand that we have an audience to make sure we know we, we appease them, but you also have, you can't forget about the other people who watch you as well. What's the relationship like in New Orleans between uh, Orleans Parish and Jeff Parish just over the line in, in Metairie and the North Shore and Chalmette? Uh, you and I were discussing before we started taping that even though there's only 80, 85 miles difference between Baton Rouge and Orleans, it's it's culturally ext- an extremely different place. One is very different from the other. As I recall, the same could be said of Metairie and uh, the North Shore and Chalmette in in comparison with New Orleans. What, what, what's that experience like now? You can definitely tell when you get to a certain area. You go from liberal to conservative. Nothing wrong with that, but you can tell. Mm-hmm. You can definitely tell where the old money is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can tell, even though it may be, you can tell where the diverse neighborhoods are. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, okay. You can tell where I'm like, all right, I can feel I feel safe. Mm-hmm. Or I'm like, mm, okay, we can't be here at 4 o'clock in the morning. This is not going to work. I don't feel safe doing this. Okay. Especially when you have someone of my complexion and another photographer of my complexion who also has locks. I don't call them dreads. I call them locks. Uh-huh. Uh, in a neighborhood that's very well-to-do. Uh-huh. And it's like, okay, you know you, you know how they're going to – you know what's going to happen or at least what potentially could happen. Right. So it's like, eh, mm, let's, let's make sure we're aware. So um, – that's that's one thing, but I would say going from you know Orleans to JP, you can see again liberal conservative North Shore. Um, that's more diverse, surprisingly. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, it's still predominantly white, but it is right. more diverse. Chalmette, another diverse area, still predominantly white, but more diverse because everyone sounds the same down there. I don't know right. why. Right. 
they really do. I don't know why they sound the same, but everybody sounds the same down there. <laughs> River Parishes, same situation. Mm-hmm. Again, more white, but it's still everybody sounds the same down there. So it's yeah. like, oh, okay, cool. So, yeah. Wow. Your experiences uh, with news, your experiences as a writer, your experiences with education, Mm -hmm. uh, how does your faith play a role in who you are and what you do? Does it play a role? Because this is something we haven't even talked about. Yes. Okay. Okay. I was raised Catholic. You got jokes, Terrence. You're funny. I was raised Catholic. <laughs> um, so, of course, you got, you know, the nuns that, you know, can't do this, that, and that. Right. Um, do I still abide by that? Eh, kind of, sort of. Because mm-hmm. I do believe that, you know, certain things in the book, eh, a little stretch. Um, but I do believe everything in life happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. And so I've learned to just take the good with the bad. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes rejection is just another opportunity to, for, for a better path. And so I've learned, because there was one time I was, like, praying for Channel 4. Actually, this was right after right after VLA, went to Gainesville, Florida, did two years at the ABC affiliate out there, and a spot similar to the one I'm currently at opened. Nope, you're not ready yet. And honestly, I really wasn't. Mm-hmm. Really wasn't. I was like, I'm not prepared for this. Come to find out, did another three years in Virginia where the shooting happened. And we were ready because mm-hmm. of what they prepared me to get ready for. And when I got to New Orleans, I'm like, oh, this is, a pe- this is, a, this is all you want? Mm-hmm. You sure? Do you, you don't want nothing else? Mm-hmm. You, I'm, are you sure? It's like a cakewalk. Thing happens. <laughs> <laughs> Thing happens. Um, so I say all that to say that, like, yeah, I think, one, having that, I guess, foundation, because I went to private Catholic school my entire life and mm-hmm. never, never did anything else other than that. And so mm-hmm. having that foundation of, like, all right, yes, have that faith that, okay, it may seem bleak. It may seem like, oh, my goodness, the world is coming to an end. Mm-hmm. But there's always a light at the end of the tunnel. I take it by the way you responded to the question, I was raised Catholic, mm-hmm. that you're not necessarily a practicing Catholic Define today. practicing. Do you go to church on a regular basis? Well, here's the thing. I work weekends. I work Sundays. <laughs> Catholic Mass is, is seven days a week. I know. Seven days a week. That's what I'm like. That's what I'm practicing. <laughs> um, if I can get there, yes, I'll go. But it's not like... For me, it's more of like... And, and this is just me. It's more... Nothing against the church. Nothing against the church. Right. I don't need someone telling me how I should live my life. Mm-hmm. And as long, for me, as I'm treating people with respect, mm-hmm. kindness, decency, mm-hmm. not being a complete jerk, mm-hmm. I'm good. I don't need someone in church to tell me, yes, Lord, da, da, da. I get nothing against, nothing, nothing against. I don't need someone telling me that. Mm-hmm. I know at the end of the day that I'm a good person. Mm-hmm. And so for me, Jesus knows where I'm at. Jesus knows my heart. That's just me. So statistics show that... Uh, Church attendance nationally mm-hmm. is waning, uh, more pronounced in the Roman Catholic Church yes. than, than it is in Protestant faiths uh, and what have you. Baptist really on Protestant, but we're always lumped in with Protestants. So uh, <laughs> uh, uh, younger people tend to prefer language that suggests that while they are spiritual, they don't mm. necessarily uh, uh, adhere to traditional religious practice uh, with greater in greater numbers uh, as, as these polls are taken that that that's what's shown within your social circle mm-hmm. 
is is that the case as an observer mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, because you you've just made it clear that you don't go to church and that that's cool <laughs> I, I'm good with that I, I've had atheists sitting in here and, and, and we're good with all of that I respect everybody's right to choose to do what they want I'm I want to learn okay as a young man a young african-american man a young educated african-american man mm -hmm. with tremendous limitless future in front speak of that you. into existence <laughs> please what is your observation with regard to your colleagues people your own age your friends your social circle is their attitude about religion and about spirituality similar to yours yes here's the situation so of course we have those you know holy and thou as i call them holy and thou people who love church no, mm -hmm. again nothing wrong with that i'm not hating on you if that's how you raise that's what you believe mm -hmm. live your best life I'm not gonna hate on that then you have some of us who are like okay i have no problem with the church i have a problem with how do i say this in the right way and forgive me for for my wording mm -hmm. you have these big mega churches mm -hmm. that irritates me mm -hmm. who have irritates these me too <laughs> because I'm like you have people who are literally choosing between putting their light bill on the line mm -hmm. and giving to the church mm -hmm. and I get it I understand that you felt you felt the word I understand that but give what you can don't sit and let your lights go off and you give it to a church and then come to find out the man bought a jet it, it just I'm like I don't I'm sorry, I don't comprehend that. I don't either. It, it makes no sense to me. I get it if everybody, you know, throws in collective pool and then we just make the best of the situation. Mm -hmm. I can respect that. But when you've got the pastor who, again, this is just what we've talked about at, at, at our little right. our circle. Right. You have pastors who are just like living the best of their lives. And I'm like, you have your congregation who can't even afford, you know, with the medication or trying to, again, bills or trying to eat. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, how does that work? Mm -hmm. Or there was one church who actually has an ATM inside. Mm -hmm. I don't understand that. And it just, it frustrates me when I'm like, so you're, tell, you're telling me that I'm paying to feel good for Sunday mm -hmm. while the rest of the six days of the week, I feel like crap and come back and I need to feel fulfilled again, but I'm paying for the word. Mm -hmm. Why? That, that irritates me mm -hmm. because I'm just like, I thought the word was free. I thought, you know, to come, come as you are and be, and maybe you enlighten me, pastor. I just have a problem with it, people it, it, so much. I can I can spend the rest of our time responding <laughs> to that, but but that's not really my 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 goal. Mm -hmm. You and I can have that conversation mm -hmm. once we're done. My goal is to understand if that's the primary reason why young people such as yourself are kind of turned off to church, mm -hmm. to organized religion, uh, then, then it helps me to understand that that's what we have to respond to. That That's what the church has to respond that's to. That's part of it. Uh, 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 because, because what I'm hearing is that it is not a question of theological concept. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's a question of the way in which uh, Western church has become commercialized and has become a part of, uh, of, of uh, an economic structure mm -hmm. of capitalism. Yes. And, and, and how capitalism has prevailed within the church and how you're turned off by that. And I can understand that. Mm -hmm. Totally understand that. And in fact, that's an easier response for me to make 
than 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 to have different questions that come up, like if if God is omnipotent, uh, why does He allow suffering to take place? Mm-hmm. That that's a that's a much longer <laughs> conversation right. to have right. than the one that that, that you're. And if that's the primary problem, we can respond to that very quickly because because what what those people are basing their opinion on mm-hmm. is what they see for a few minutes on Sunday morning as they're flipping channels mm-hmm. and what they hear through blurbs on, on radio or through social media or what have you the average church has less than 100 members in it right and 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 uh, so 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 the, the concept that everybody is a mega church and and that the pastor is the wizard behind the curtain spinning right. everybody around that's true but it's it's true in a very small 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 fractional right part of of the church experience. And so for me, the suggestion is we have to find a way to to inform people of your age group and of of your uh, belief system, of of your practice, that the church is more than than, than what you you, you are presenting it or, or what you believe it to be. These are things that you need to know about the church. The, the, these are the things that the church is is are, is interested. I'm not just interested in you going to heaven when you die. I'm interested in the quality of your life while you're here. I'm interested in the level of service that you're willing to give to your community, to give back, to help the poor and the marginalized. Because Jesus was about the poor and the marginalized, and we want to be about the poor and the marginalized. And we believe that we can do that. We can do it as individuals, but we can do it much better as a collective, as as congregations uh, that come together. Uh, and have a similar mindset that we are going to commit ourselves and we're going to stand with and in front of the poor and the marginalized because we are by and large poor and marginalized and we're going to uphold the ideals of justice and compassion and we're going to prevail upon our government and the empires of our nation, business and industry to 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 see us and to use the resources that you have at your disposal, which we have given to you, mm-hmm. uh, in order to help improve the quality of our lives. Now do me a so, favor. So 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 that that's an argument that I can make. That, do, do me a favor. Because because, that, because the sixty nine million dollar plane ain't on my agenda either. Right, right. But some of that in thirty seconds. Because because here's the thing. I heard what you said, but my attention span. Gone. Well, you need to come to church here on Sunday morning. I don't. I don't preach more than twenty minutes on Sunday morning. So you preach what? I'm sorry. One more time. Twenty minutes, and I'm done. Okay. Forty-five minute sermons. You ain't listening to to but ten to twelve minutes of it. Uh-huh. So, so 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 I learned a long time ago. People that, that that's a waste of time. Yes. Yeah. And you've been in church for like four or five hours. I'm like, why are we still here? Mm, I zone out. You won't be here. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, uh, you will not be. I here. zone out. Yeah. I'm like, we're still in church. I'm like, yeah. it's an hour and a half, two hours. Yeah. I'm like, okay, yeah. mommy, I love you. <laughs> I can't do this right now. We we'll get to church at seven thirty. We're out at like nine, nine and third. I'm like, I can't. I'm sorry, I can't do this. It's like, okay, I've heard this story before. I've heard the version of the Bible. I'm like, what's different? Right. What's new? Right. What's fresh? Right. Relate to me. Right. What's happening today? But don't sit here and, and, and pe- preach this, you know, well, we got to attack da, 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 or do whatever it is in the community. But you, you're not, not you, but you're not doing it as, as a church. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm like, I don't understand. Okay, we want to do, we say this, but we don't do it. Or, no. I'm sorry, go ahead. There are churches that are doing it. Mm-hmm. But you don't see them mm-hmm. on the news. News folk don't don't come to our church uh-huh. and report on what we're doing. Uh-huh. Uh, you, you 
let you let pastor get caught with a woman that he ain't, that he ain't married to and and and, and you'll be there for that mm-hmm. but yet let pastor get caught with a man that he ain't married to and you'll be there for for that mm-hmm. or with a child mm-hmm. you'll be there for that mm-hmm. or if there's a scandal where a quarter came up missing uh, you'll be there for that right uh, but when it comes to the 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 operations of most churches mm-hmm. uh, they, they go largely unnoticed by by media and I understand that and you know you you have your role and and we have ours but my role is to learn how to be more impactful with people in the world and 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 part of that learning process for me is having conversations with people like you and 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 listening and trying to learn and draw from you and mm-hmm. so I, I just appreciate the fact that you would, would take the time to come and uh, do that absent a, a a religious foundation I, I sense in you a, a <laughs> I, I don't mean that as sorry, as an insult That's cool. uh, 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 because because you said you were raised in the Catholic Church but but you, you're not a practicing Catholic mm-hmm. uh, and, and 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 that's fine <sighs> Your moral center, your your sense of personal integrity, uh, uh, comes from what? Actually, did come from the church, and and family. I think what changed. Again, this is being in the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. You've seen so many abuse scandals, mm-hmm. and it's just like, how can you preach again? Preach one thing, mm-hmm. but then you're doing something else behind behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. It's like you're not being truthful. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was rooted. The the base comes from the Catholic Church. I mean, that's where actually the voice was actually developed in the Catholic Church. I used to read, the, not the gospel, but the first, second reading in church. So that's where the public speaking-ish mm-hmm. came from. Um, but I think it's just more of, as, over time, you can see the inconsistencies Specifically, in the Catholic Church, mm-hmm. of like, well, this you're doing this, you're doing this, you're, you're doing this. Long story short, I guess what goes back to, to answer your question shortly, then get to the point as well, because I, I hate when I ramble. Um, Thirty seconds. I know, right? Like Thirty seconds to the point. Um, just within the church, honestly, mm-hmm. good parents, good parents who said you will be successful. I mm-hmm. didn't have that option. You know, my parents, dad, pretty much went to high school, went to the Navy. Mom wanted to finish college, but she had to play second mom and take the rest, take care of her. Now, I guess the eight siblings that she had so I was kind of like oh you're going to college you have no option you're going so it's like you know that's what they pushed me into and it was like all right end of the day treat everyone how you wanted to be treated and that's what I also learned in Catholic school treat everyone how you wanted to be treated nobody mm-hmm. wants to be treated like crap mm-hmm. nobody wants to be disrespected mm-hmm. I see if you can joke it and playing yeah you have that relationship you have that that, that friendship set up but to just to do it just randomly just to arbitrarily oh I don't like you why Mm-hmm. That takes too much energy, and I don't have the time for it. Mm-hmm. Too young for it. That's all. So, that 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 personal integrity that carries you uh, on a daily basis. How do you respond to the stories that I'm sure come across your desk and 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 uh, into your work world? Uh, where you see inconsistencies, mm-hmm. such as the ones that you described mm-hmm. in the church, in political circles and in financial circles and in other circles, uh, academic circles a- as well. Uh, 
does it cause you to want to do something uh, more proactive uh, in response to these things? Uh, reporting on it is is, is one thing. Mm-hmm. Responding to it would be taking it to a different level, I would mm-hmm. imagine. Mm-hmm. Is, is there an impetus in you to to respond to to this as opposed to simply reporting on it? I'll give you one. I'll give you one good example. You know that little flag that black people, when they see it, you don't, you don't, you know something's up. Right. So I lived in Virginia. That's all we saw. Mm-hmm. Flags like that everywhere. Mm-hmm. In fact, let me give you one, one prime example. There was one time. So we have him. Okay, day. And you know what Lee Jackson Day is? You know what it is. Yes. No clue. Yeah. I get to Virginia. I'm like, do you know what Lee Jackson Day is? Yes. Okay. No, no not you. I'm talking about the camera guy. <laughs> he is like, no. So the Friday before MLK Day, for some of us who don't know, because I was like, I was like, what is Lee Jackson? What are you talking yeah. about? Uh, you know, everyone comes to celebrate Lee. Robert E. Lee. And, and, and Stonewall Jackson. Thank you. But they do it with these Confederate flags. Yes. Have whole parades come out in the Woolworths like it's nothing. I'm sorry. I'm looking at you, Terrence. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God. The world's coming to an end. I don't understand. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't. I don't. What's, why are we doing this? Why are we covering this? Oh, that's what we do up here. Do you not realize who y'all sent? Do you not realize who y'all sent to cover this story? No. I know I'd sound different over the phone, and I understand I don't have a typical Jamal or Tyrone name. So, of course, Duke Carter doesn't sound anything crazy. I have a standard American name. But I'm like, when they got there, you can see the looks in their faces like, oh, hi. I'm like, ah, yes. Don't worry. I understand. Look, here's how we're going to handle this. Don't disrespect me. I won't disrespect you. Now, you claim that it's heritage, not hate. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you again, what is the real meaning behind this flag? You let me know. Mm-hmm. Now, let me, let me help you understand why maybe a lot of African Americans may be offended by this flag. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not the case. And I'm like, well, you got to realize it was used in this and this and this and this. You have to realize that maybe some African Americans may not be, I don't know, welcoming to the flag. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, no, 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 it's still Heritage Night And I'm like, okay. Now, if I had tried to explain it to you and you're still not receptive to the idea, I'm not wasting my energy because you just don't want to be receptive sure. to the idea. Sure. And that for me is more of like where I'm like, all right, we'll have the conversation. And you can tell when someone is like, okay, ooh, whoa. Or mm-hmm. it's like, okay, they're just, that's all they, that's all they want to know. Mm-hmm. So there have been times where I'm like, all right, let's let's get educated. Let me help you understand a different perspective off, off camera. Mm-hmm. <laughs> off mm-hmm. camera. Or I may ask the question in a certain way to be like, well, maybe let me, let me ask you with this concept. But it's just like, hmm. Yeah, there have been times I'm like, let's see if we can paint a different picture. Right. To at least, okay, make sure you understand why this may be offensive. Or, hmm, what you said might have been a little bit disrespectful. What part of Virginia is Roanoke? I'm, I'm familiar with the Tidewater area and, and Arlington. I don't know what what area, what, what part of Virginia okay. is Roanoke. Uh, um, do you know where Danville is? No. Okay. You know where Charlotte is? Charlotte, North Carolina. Yes. Okay, you're going to take 77 all the way up till you get to Virginia. That's going to put you... That's, that's pretty much going to put you in southwest Virginia. Okay. So that's a big area. Okay, that so we southwest got. Virginia. Southwest Virginia. Okay, I have friends who pastor in, in, in the Tidewater area, and, of course, I know a whole lot of folk in, in the Arlington, D.C. area. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so you're in a rural part of, of Virginia. Yes. 
I have this argument with my wife all the time. Uh-huh. So, 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 in that you lived in Virginia, uh, maybe you can help settle it. She, she lived in Virginia. She lived in Richmond. Richmond. Oh, okay, not too far away uh, from us. Yeah, okay. three hours away. <laughs> yeah. Do you consider Virginia to be the Deep South? No. I don't either. No. Thank you. No, I don't. I hope Dimitri is listening to this right no, now. No, I don't. Because I, I like, don't either. I was like, South? <laughs> no. South where? <laughs> thank you. South? Y'all have been Atlantic region. That's what y'all are. Y'all are. Thank you. Y'all are not the South. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Settled one <laughs> game set match. Thank you very much. That's not the South. No. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now they might call themselves the South. I'm like, South of what? Yeah. I usually get the thing, well, they, they, they fought for the Confederacy in the Civil War. That has nothing to do with whether or not you are the Deep South. No, you're not. Uh, uh, deep South for me is Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, some parts of uh, western Florida, and a little bit of southern Georgia. Once you get past that, you're, you're, out. Out, you're out of the South. You're out. Pretty much done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're a whole different territory. Yeah. Uh, and and, 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 and the, the cultural difference between... Uh, a Virginian and, and, and a Louisianan are, are stark. Who are they? Yeah. Completely different. I was like, thank God I'm happy to be home. Yeah. <laughs> thank God I'm happy to be home. Nothing against my people in Southwest Virginia because they, they, they fed me, they did me right. Mm-hmm. But you can tell like the differences in culture. Like, again, conservative compared to Louisiana. Right. Liberal. Yeah. Very liberal. I was like, ooh, okay. I, I understand. This is what we do. There's nothing to do after a certain time. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't do this. Like, I'm usually out and about. Yeah. What are you talking about, like, Saturday night, midnight, 1 o'clock, we done? No, that's the, that's when I just get there. No, that's when the party's just getting started. They, in my get, younger years. they get ready for church on Sunday morning. We, of course, that's what we do. Of course, <laughs> of course. Yes, that's just, yes, Pastor. I totally forgot. Totally yeah, forgot. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. So, I'm like, I don't understand. But, you know, it had some good times, some good memories. It got me out in my element. I got to do wildlife, mm-hmm. like, do that fishing thing that people say is fun. I don't do it, but it was... I, I went one time. It was the longest four hours of my life. I, I can't do it. I'm, I'm too... I can't. Or I that. caught four fish in four hours. Bless your heart. And the best news that I got that day was it's time to go. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. Yeah. So I'm like, we did the fishing thing. Now, you know, we did some shooting, and I'm like, okay, that's a little fun. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that can pass the time a little bit. But after that, what else is there to do? Yeah. I'm listening to the woods. I'm listening to the wildlife. I'm listening to critters come at me. No, I'm a city boy for life. Let's go. <laughs> I'm a city boy. We don't no, do this. No. So, yeah. Your your father was was Navy. Did mm-hmm. you have the opportunity to live in other parts of the world? Did you spend any time overseas or anything like that? I just came back from Cuba, May, May Mother's Day. I came back in time Mother's Day. My mom was not happy, but I came back in time for Mother's Day. Okay, it was fun. And now I got the travel bug, but it's my first time being overseas. Okay, and that was actually because of my dad's passing. It was like, okay, we got to get out the country, so we've got to. Experience life a little bit. Okay. And so Cuba was the first one since it's 90 miles away from Florida. I'm right. like, if anything happens, I can just get on a little raft and we'll just <laughs> get, to, get to Florida somehow. Yeah. So, but yeah, that was my first one. So hopefully we can do more overseas travel. And that, that was going to be my question. Do you have any interest in, in experiencing other cultures? The, the bug has been bitten hard. Okay. Because when I went to Cuba, I didn't realize the similarities in, as far as like New Orleans and Cuba, mm-hmm. so much alike. Like with the, the architecture and, well, the architecture and the way how we you know very like loud mm-hmm. like what you see is what you get mm-hmm. like literally there was an argument having a whole couple in front of us and I'm like you're not gonna bring her down she's like no that's what we do and I'm like oh okay <laughs> you're in New Orleans yeah. so New Orleans and I think a lot of people don't understand that concept of like New Orleans is more island life compared to United States life if that makes sense what I'm saying mm-hmm. like I've seen 
just the way how we do things in New Orleans. I'm like, oh, do y'all party on a Sunday, like in the streets? I'm like, oh, that's something that we do on a Sunday after 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 church. Of course, <laughs> after church. Uh, of course. Um, so that's what we do. And I'm like, it's it's cool. So what I like to go, my my goal is to, of course, do England, Paris, of course, the all you know the European places. But I like to go to Brazil. And as a part of Brazil, that actually is more African American. Well, I was gonna say African American, African populated. Um, so I like to go there. I gotta figure out what the name of that uh, mm-hmm. town or city is. But that's mm-hmm. also my bucket list. Okay. So I like to do that. Okay. Yeah. A couple more things, then we're going to wrap this up. Do you, uh, let, 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 let's get back to Louisiana mm-hmm. and politics. In October, we're going to have an election for the governor and for certain uh, state uh, offices. Uh, I don't believe anybody has announced that they're running against the attorney general mm-hmm. uh, as of yet. Several Senate seats, state Senate seats are going to be up. I think the entire state house is going to be up for re-election. What's the sense of things down in New Orleans with regard to uh, state politics, state legislature? Uh, not, I'm not asking you to predict who's going to win, right. but 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 what's what's the? Is, is it a very uh, uh, volatile time down there? And and what's what's the work of the African American community down there? Once again, referring back to when I was down there, (laughs) there were a lot of black political action groups Mm -hmm. down there. I don't know if they even exist anymore. Mm -hmm. There was Soul, and there was Bold, and there was Cool. They they, they all had their own little acronym. Uh, uh, And and they were very much involved in in New Orleans politics locally, but in uh, statewide politics Mm -hmm. as well. Is that still the case now, or, or have things changed in New Orleans? We still have your local groups out there. We still do. Um, the thing is, is that, like, as far as, like, anything crazy, we haven't seen anything politically driven yet. And of course, you have, your, you know, your, your Kennedys saying, I'm going to do this, or, you know, Governor, Bell, you know, Governor John Bell Edwards saying he's going to do X, Y, Z. And, you know, you see those ads starting to pop up, but not mm-hmm. like, you know, how we get closer to election time where you start right. seeing the debates pop up, or right. where you start seeing more attack ads, as I call them, mm-hmm. pop up. Not Nothing of that right now. It's pretty mellow. I think once we probably get past hur- well, hurricane season, but at least after prime time hurricane season mm-hmm. after like September we'll probably start seeing that a little bit more mm-hmm. but as of right now no we haven't really seen anything even in the African American community I mean do you have like uh, Justice and Beyond which is one popular group mm-hmm. um, normally they would do something but as of right now I think it's just more of just like hey we're just gonna deal with the issues of one the big issue is dealing with radioactive materials that have been found in certain parts of African-American communities and that they would like political leaders to address. Mm -hmm. Uh, Specifically the mayor, if the mayor can address it, hopefully the governor, if not, whoever. Mm -hmm. So that's what we've been seeing right now, dealing with that. But as far as like politics and, you know, anything of that magnitude as far as like political leaders doing anything, not yet. There's no discussion surrounding the 2020 census and uh, uh, because when, when census time comes around, uh, redistricting uh, is associated with, with, with the census. And around here, that, that's becoming a, a larger and larger conversation. Of course, we're in the state capital. But I would think that in a city like New Orleans, that that kind of discussion is taking place also. I haven't heard anything yet. But again, it could be. But I specifically have not heard anything yet. I mean, mm-hmm. again, we're also dealing with people who work in the tourism industry, too, so they may not know. And usually mm-hmm. that's the part of the problem that we do have is that you have to inform them, hey, here's what's going on, and then let me get your opinion on it. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of that that we do. And it's kind of like, okay, if you didn't know this, then clearly you don't know. Now, of course, the big elections people are aware of. Right. Like the little small 
as I call them, mom and pop elections. Mm-hmm. Not really. Okay. Do 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 people in your social circle vote typically? Mm-hmm. Not an accusatory question. I'm, I'm just I'm just trying to learn. Again, I'm just trying to learn. Yeah, you're good. Do 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 do, do they vote? I think the lesson was learned after this presidential election. <laughs> and I'll leave it at that. I'll leave it at that. Okay. Um, and I think that answers your question as well. Yeah. Um, that a lot of people were like, whoa, maybe I should have. Mm. And I'll leave it at that. People weren't excited about Hillary Clinton. They weren't. They weren't. Uh, I think a lot of people Do you think just, it was just that she was not Barack Obama? Do you think it was that she was the spouse of Bill Clinton? Or do you think it was that she just wasn't a very good candidate. I must say a mix of both but more of not of a good candidate because there wasn't anything that from what my people were telling me that anything that she stood for. It was just like, oh, okay, you're just the husband of the man who pretty much had an affair on you mm-hmm. and just said that he didn't. You know, so it's just kind of like, how do you separate yourself from someone who was already president? Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you got the name. There's no other way around it. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of people were just like, eh. A lot of people were not turned on by our politics. It was just, I think it was just a mix of just like, well, she's not really saying anything that excites me. So mm-hmm. why would I vote for her? And then you have the other person who's kind of like, well, why would I vote for that person? So which one is the lesser of the two evils? But sadly, well, interesting enough, which I should say, that's what we got. When it comes to statewide politics, uh, New Orleans is is very different mm-hmm. uh, than Monroe <laughs> or Shreveport mm-hmm. or Alexandria or Ruston. The farther north you go in the state, the more conservative, the more rural, the more uh, uh, Republican mm-hmm. uh, the state becomes. As a young African-American, I would imagine progressive, and if not progressive, at least moderate uh, uh, individual. Uh, Do you find it frustrating? Uh, Do do you ever think that, yeah, I'm going to vote, but my vote really doesn't count in a state that is as red as Louisiana is politically, when you're talking about national, I mean, it it makes a difference in local politics, obviously, but in national politics, do do, do you ever sense that there's a frustration involved? The people who I talk to, yeah. Because it's like, if you have the Electoral College, why vote? Mm-hmm. Why? My vote, quote-unquote, doesn't matter. Right. Um, so you, I do hear that a lot, but I think because of what people are witnessing currently in politics nationally, I think more people are willing to turn out. Now the question is, will it be enough? Mm-hmm. Will it be enough to at least see a change or some sort of change or spark a change? I think that is the question. Because you do have a lot of people who I've spoke to didn't vote who are registered to vote right but because candidates just wasn't candidate wasn't appealing to them they just chose not to right but i think what now people are witnessing hopefully they'll be like oh okay well let's see we can get something done you're 31 years old Mm -hmm. can you see yourself living in new orleans for the next 30 35 years Ooh. Or, or I, I always close these conversations by asking people uh, if they're younger people, do you do you see yourself in this community uh, the rest of your life? If they're older people, do you see your children raising their families 
here. Uh, so you're you're on the young end. So I'm not asking <laughs> you about your children. I'm asking you about you. Uh, you 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 have you have a very bright future ahead of you. Mm-hmm. Do do you want that future to be in? Uh, New Orleans or in Louisiana? You know, that's a funny part. I honestly can't answer that question only because I would have never thought I would have been back home in New Orleans. Like, Virginia. Not that I would have stayed in Virginia, but... <laughs> <laughs> I would have stayed in Virginia. But... Um, I just didn't think New Orleans was going to happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, I had the hope that it would, but I was just like, if it happens, great. If not there are other opportunities Mm -hmm. and so for this to happen I'm just going to take it and run with it Mm -hmm. and if something else pops up we'll see but I'm not going to sit here to limit myself no Mm -hmm. Uh, would I love to raise my kids here yeah because there's no place like New Orleans hopefully down the road Mm -hmm. I would love to but I also have to be cognizant of you also have to you know, open yourself to different opportunities. Mm-hmm. Don't limit yourself to just one place, as my dad would say. If there's an opportunity to be better somewhere else, take it. You can always come back and visit. Yeah. So. Yeah. The the thing that concerns me is that there's a brain drain in the state of Louisiana, mm-hmm. particularly in in Baton Rouge. Uh, I've been. I'm 57 years old. You I've look been, good. Uh, man, you're a great liar. <laughs> <laughs> I should go into politics, huh? Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but I appreciate the lot. Thank you for that. But but I've I, I've been pastoring uh, since 1986, so mm. was that, 33 years. I have seen year in and year out kids who graduate from high school and go someplace else to go to college, or kids who graduate from college and go someplace else to start their lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, Houston is Baton Rouge West. <laughs> Baton Rouge West. Uh, uh, I'll da- give you that one. Dallas is Baton Rouge Northwest. You know, they, they go to Houston, they go to Dallas, they go to Memphis, they go to Nashville. Not, I don't hear so much about Atlanta anymore, but Not but, much, but, but, but that but, was one. But but. We we don't stay here, mm-hmm. and when you ask why, usually it has something to do with the politics, the economy, uh, the inability to fulfill uh, my own personal aspirations within uh, the confines of this community. Mm-hmm. That that if you're in. Uh, uh, some kind of industry like oil and gas, you can make a good living here. But if you're in uh, some kind of a job like tech or or, or medical technology or what have you, you have to leave mm-hmm. here. So I always ask that question because I I have a desire to retain the, the best and the brightest within our state. And, and I think that's the only way that our state is going to grow and get better. And so I always, I'm just curious. I can think a certain way, but I'll, I won't know unless I ask. Right. And so uh, 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 I would hope that your future keeps you in, in Louisiana. Thank you kindly. Who knows? Who knows? I've heard the talk of me getting into politics. God, no. <laughs> well, let me say this. Never say never. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, maybe I could do it. But I'm like, eh, mm-hmm. eh, eh. <laughs> There's a lot of hoops, jumps, and I'm like, do I really want to deal with those headaches? Yeah. Because after a certain point, I'm like, all right, how politically correct can you be mm-hmm. until, all right, we just got to address what it is, what it is. You got to mm-hmm. just say, look, if it ain't right, it ain't right. We got to fix it. Mm-hmm. You can't, I think people who have more respect for you, and I've seen that the city of New Orleans are trying to uh, address it in a way where it's like, all right, we're clearly not the best because we flood every time. Mm-hmm. It's like I have a thunderstorm. Mm-hmm. We flooding. 
and I see them trying to at least be like, all right, you got to prop yourself, ladies and gentlemen. You can't just sit here and think like, okay, I know we have these 100-year events every so often now, apparently every few months. Mm-hmm. So that means clearly we got to do something differently. So that means you need to be prepared. Mm-hmm. Get your home insurance in check, mm-hmm. renters insurance in check. Mm-hmm. Because clearly our system is not in place to handle that, which is why I think I think the mayor came up here for the fair share deal to at least help with the pipes right. that are clearly 100-plus years old down in the city of New Orleans that can't keep up with all this. Right. So I guess long story short is I think the more transparent you are, the better it is. And do I see myself in politics? Who knows? Down the road, you never know. You you, you brought a different question to my mind as Uh-oh. as you were as you were talking. Um, do you consider yourself an entrepreneur? Uh, are, are you interested in owning your own business and in, in, in promoting your own product? I have members of this church who, who are, well, Terrence is one of them, uh, the one who produces this podcast. Uh, he has Mad Game Entertainment. That, yes, he does. That, that's his. He, he's an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. In addition to the work that he does here for us, he has his own thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a young lady uh, here, Kenyatta Collins, uh, who has her own programming, and she's starting her own production company. Do you see yourself as an entrepreneur and not just a talent in front of the the, the camera? My goal one day, and I don't, I got to figure out how to go about the process because at, after a certain point, as they say, everything doesn't last forever. Mm-hmm. So you have to find that side hustle. Um, but I also just like residual income after a certain point. And, I, and my dad was like, one thing you can do is real estate. That's mm-hmm. one way to do that. And I would like to at least get into that ring mm-hmm. and start owning, investing in certain properties. Not necessarily owning them, but at least, you know, having some sort of, some sort of stay or at mm-hmm. least something coming back to me saying, okay, you got some money coming in somewhere versus just one right. income, which is very scary nowadays because <laughs> not like anything bad, but jobs weren't paying like how they were back in the no. 80s. Nice. And young people are not interested in doing 30 years at the same job exactly. anymore. Exactly. That's gone. You work three years here. You work two years over there. You know, and, and, and you do want to keep your options open. Exactly. Yeah. So that's all. But okay. I, I, I do think that the future of African-American people is, is a return to entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And, and it's hard to speak out against empire if Empire signs your check. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of hard to do that. Yeah. Very hard to do that, especially when you're like making the bread and it's like, oh, well, why not just stay here? And I'm like, no, 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 no. Because they can easily say, bye. Yeah. Yeah. And I've learned that. I've seen it happen where I thought I, was, I had another job or was taking it back. I thought I was going to stay at, this, at my job in Gainesville, Florida. And they're like, nope, you're leaving. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, I got bills to pay, so we clearly got to get this handled. Yeah. So I was like, okay, life lesson. Understood. We don't have. We can't always put all our eggs in one basket. Yeah. So. Thank you for taking the time to come and share. I with appreciate us. I, I really you, appreciate sir. the conversation. This was fun. Yeah. Thank you for viewing. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next time.